Days a piece of dog shit, Daryl. <laughs> Today specifically. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I just had a major mal malfunction on my computer, which almost cost. I w- I don't want to exaggerate, but like millions of dollars. Millions? <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> It's all good now. I'll talk about it a little later. Okay. But also, I had to watch this movie. I had to both almost lose millions of dollars worth of work mm-hmm. and um, and watch this movie. Wow. Fast 4. The Fast. Wait, no, it's not The Fast and the Furious. It's Fast, fast and Furious. Fast and Furious, yes. Yeah. How about you? How how how, how are you doing? Um... I mean, I'm doing all right. I watched the movie <laughs> yesterday, you know. Yeah. It sounds like I haven't made any um, mistakes of major consequence, so. Sick. Yeah. Sick, bro. I wish I was living in that in that world. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do have to. Yeah, I bro. do have to start actually with a to address a mistake of no consequence. Mm. And um, uh, yeah. I mean, so I have to. I have to. Yeah, I have to call myself out and um, give back any of my street cred points from last week because mm-hmm. after our episode, um, David and I were talking about Teflon a little bit more, yeah. and I actually realized that I severely misspoke on what Teflon was. I confused it with oh. Kevlar, which is different. So oh, I wanted to yeah. so I wanted to clarify that Teflon, and as it relates to most likely Rick Ross. It refers to like the Teflon coating on bullets, which turns a regular bullet into like a glass. A very, very slippery bullet. A slippery, piercing round. Mm. Um, I didn't catch it. I had no idea. I yeah. like I knew there was a word for a Kevlar vest, and mm-hmm. in my mind during that episode, the words just flipped, just like you. Mm-hmm. Where Teflon was the word, and it made total sense. That's right. Weirdly, the day after we recorded that, I watched a movie about Teflon. Um, about the material itself, or the coating mm-hmm. itself. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a film that came out in 2019 called Dark Waters, mm-hmm. starring Mark Ruffalo. Ah. About a lawyer suing the Dupont Chemical Company, which. Uh, is called E E I Dupont de Nemours and Company. Hmm. Um, for basically leaching Teflon or the chemical that makes Teflon into waters around the Wilmington, Delaware area and West Virginia. Hmm. And uh, everybody got sick with cancer and Ooh. all the cows died. Yikes. So and it's about a case that went on basically for like I don't know 25 years or something mm-hmm. like that. Mhm. This dude was working on it. Um it was crazy, man. Yeah. The movie kind of was not very good. But, <laughs> but I did like that it had a little Teflon tie-in as mm-hmm. we like to say here on the pod. Hmm. Um, speaking of the pod, this is No One Likes the Tuna Podcast, the world's premier dedicated Fast and Furious podcast. Uh, my name is Nick Nocera. And I'm Daryl Wong. 
And every week, Daryl, we watch a movie from the Fast and Furious franchise. And we discuss it. Along with other things. Is that basically the premise of this bullshit? Yep, that's it. We use these movies as a platform to talk to each other and the stuff that matters the most or the least to us on a weekly basis. You know what matters the most to me? You. Thanks, Nick. You, bro. Hey, man. You know, I live on the other side of the world. I live in Auckland, New Zealand, for those who don't know. And, Daryl, you live in Brooklyn, New York. Is that correct? That is. And, you know, this pod is really the only contact I have with you. I'm glad we maintained the connection yeah, over, over great time and lengths. Um, uh, speaking of connection, did you make a connection with this movie this <laughs> in any way, shape, or form? I got. Some, I actually have some interesting stuff I want to talk about yes! related to this movie. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's all I want. Excellent. All right, I'll lead yes. it off. I got. I'm, it's all gonna right. build. I'm, it's gonna build in awesomeness, okay. starting with the least awesome, which is first that I had. I Google stuff often as far as what pets can eat and what pets cannot eat. Iguanas definitely cannot eat chocolate, and unless Dog. yeah, yeah, iguanas. But yeah. Oh, nice. Right, and um, as far as this, as far as a truck driver feeding him a feeding his pet iguana a bite of chocolate, unless that was mm-hmm. actually like a leaf bar or something that, um, that they were both sort of sharing together, that iguana mm-hmm. was definitely probably gonna die. Headed for the grave. Headed for the grave. I do know in I don't know if DR is specifically is is one of the places, but I've been to some of the Florida Keys, and I've been to Cuba, mm-hmm. and I've been to Puerto Rico, uh, and a, and the Cayman Islands, and a couple other Mediterranean places. Iguanas are like pigeons there. Mm. I didn't know that. They're like an infestation, and they are everywhere huh basically so perhaps this iguana wasn't his pet but was a (laughs) varmint that climbed in through the truck window and he didn't notice it was there until he started rolling a stowaway and then a stowaway if you will Mm -hmm. and he was like oh i have to murder it (laughs) but he did you know because long haul truckers are on such tight timelines you know, they get paid more depending on how quick they get something somewhere. He didn't want to stop. Right. You know, and he wasn't going to fire a gun in a moving vehicle. So, he's, he <laughs> so needs to he save that around. for real danger. Yeah. He's got to save that for real danger. He's got to save that for real danger, you know? <laughs> so he looked around and said, well, what do I have that could subsequently murder an iguana? And uh, plucked out that piece of chocolate that his nice wife had stowed away for his lunch. Mm-hmm. So a stowaway for a stowaway. <laughs> you know? Excellent, excellent. I think that's a plausible enough uh, explanation. <laughs> I concur. Thank you for clarifying. No problem, man. Glad we could clear that up for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Glad we could... So he's not a monster, as everybody may think he is. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... Uh, I got another one. Oh, please. So, 
Um, uh, this yeah, fast fo- fast forward twenty minutes into the movie. So when Dom returns back to, I like that you time stamped it. Yeah, you know, I just <laughs> want to keep yeah. make sure want to make sure people are still twenty minutes sort of, and forty two <laughs> seconds into this movie. Uh, so yeah, so Tom, oh not Tom, Dom returns to. Um, <laughs> you think Tom I remember? Tom Toretto. Tom Toretto <laughs> is the only thing I'm ever calling him now. <laughs> For Tom, sure. Tommy returns home and um Mia is showing him yeah, they're in the garage and uh Dom has snuck past the FBI on all counts and she shows him uh his charger and he says that oh um um uh, Letty wouldn't let them Letty wouldn't let them junk it. So she brought presumably brought it back here and has been working on it and fully restored your car in your absence mm-hmm. when you ditched her in the DR. Yes. And I thought about that. And I was like, wait a minute. There's no way in hell that Letty could have gotten that car back. Cause we're saying that that's the car from the end of the first movie, which that is what they're saying. So which we know was five years ago, according which, to the line of dialogue in this mm-hmm. movie. So it's five years ago at the end of the movie. Like Dom was a yeah wanted fugitive who has been street racing and he has this unregistered car, basically, that he yeah. totals in L.A. And then yeah. sort of, yeah, takes takes the Supra and drives off. But in terms of, like, police impound, I had to look this up. I was like, all right, what are the reasons that the police can impound your car, right? There's three main reasons. First, it's involved in a crime. Mm-hmm. Second, Which, A, meets that type absolutely, criteria. Right. Yeah. Second, it is a piece of evidence for a sort of pending court trial. So two. Two. And the, yeah. and the third one is it's a, um, uh, yeah, it endangers, yeah, it's a obstacle to public safety. Which, okay, so three for three. Three for three. Police have probably impounded that car. There's no way in hell they're giving that back, especially to Letty, who is... Who they yeah. know is a known associate of... Mr. Tom Toretto. Hey, Dominic right? Toretto, yeah. <laughs> Tom, Dominic Toretto. <laughs> She's a known associate of his. Exactly. You're not going to give the car back to him. Impossible. Brought, well, the car is not... The car... The car... Is not there. Like... The, the car is... If it's five years later, that car is toast, man. Right. The right. car is floating in the trash pile the size of Texas in the middle of the ocean. So that's what, yeah, that's what happened immediately after the first movie. It's just like nobody's restoring that car; it's trash. Yeah, yeah. All right, so Mia, maybe Mia's confused. Hmm. Maybe she, maybe she thought <laughs> maybe Letty came home with a new car, mm-hmm. and Mia was like, "Oh, it's, it's the old car," you know, <laughs> easily fooled. Easily fooled. What car does Dom drive in the DR? That black car. Hmm. It's very, very good looking. Mm-hmm. It's right up my alley, kind of thing. Yeah. It's like I don't a know. very, very boxy two door hmm. um, piece. I don't remember. He likes to drive Chargers. He'll drive a like a nice Plymouth once in a while. Oh, it's a Buick GNX is what mm. it's called. 1987 Buick GNX. Sweet. It is extremely 
good looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sort of looks like a Lincoln Continental with a little more like muscle to it. Swagger. Yeah, a little more swagger. Ugh. Well, Mia's fooled by Letty's... Um, well, maybe Letty wanted to like make Mia feel like it was the same car so she could hold on to a piece of her brother. Oh, wow. So maybe she just lied to her. Little white lie to uh, keep the hopes up. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Mia is genuinely, I think, actually kind of good in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was definitely paying attention to her throughout the film. She has this moment of like, okay, you know how I I sometimes talk about how the film makes us feel a certain way, but in reality, that's stupid. Mm-hmm. Mia in this movie is like can, trying to convince Dom that Letty is dead revenge is pointless you're a wanted criminal don't try to bring her back right mm-hmm. like and even if you get revenge like emotionally you're still going to be ruined so like why put yourself in danger maybe put yourself in a therapist's office mm-hmm. you know and have a little heart to heart there instead Revenge is not therapy, Dom. I think that's sort of what she's trying to say. And and, and it's, it's like... It's such a good piece for Mia. Like, she's so genuine and she so much cares about her brother. Mm-hmm. You know? That even this dude who's nobody has been ever, ever been able to tell Dom... Tom, sorry, excuse me. Tom and Toretto <laughs> to do anything in the world... She's still trying. She's still trying. She's still pushing for it, right? We should, yeah. We should remember also that, um, like, what that Dom's Tom's original crime was an act of revenge, like um, at the racetrack, right, where he went and yeah, beat smashed up, smashed that guy's face, and, smashed that guy's face. So, and so revenge has only ever got him in trouble, mm-hmm. right? And the but the movie. Puts us on Tominic's side. Right? Mm-hmm. The movie, we're sitting there as viewers of the movie being like, yeah, Tom's right. He should go kill uh, Scorpion. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, get revenge for Letty's death. But if you just take a step back and look at it, like, Mia is so in the right. We don't know. Like, we don't know that Letty's still alive. Mm-hmm. Letty is dead. Getting revenge will not bring her back. Hmm. I don't know what kind of ghost you need to chase, Tom. But um, you should stop, basically. Mm-hmm. You should stop chasing them. Because, uh, you know, once you get a ghost... There's all saying, once you grab a ghost, you know... Your hand goes right through it. That's how it goes work. You know? Uh-huh. So, hmm. that's all. I sort of loved Mia in this movie more than I have in the past and more than I definitely have in other films. Mm-hmm. Other films, yeah. Other non-Fast and the Furious uh, films? No, other Fast and Furious films. Got it. I don't think I've ever seen Jordana Brewster in something. I can't remember. Not in Fast and Furious. That was like, 
A plus. Mm-hmm. You know, we watched Debs, which I would not consider the finest work. That's true. That's <laughs> true. That's about it. Um, uh, what else you got? Um, well, all right, yeah. So related to Mia, actually, um, mm-hmm. I I took special note in this in this watch of Campos uh, of Campos's toast um, right after the right after they both or right after I guess uh, they boot out Dwayne and then they get invited to that club party and uh, they establish. Uh, yeah. Right, and they establish, or Campos establishes that Dom and Brian know each other. Uh, he pros- he proposes a toast, and his toast mm-hmm. sort of never really sort of resonated with me. But he says, "Right to the ladies we love and the ladies we've lost." And at the time, right, with both Brian and Dom sort of side by oh. side, he's actually speaking to the ladies we love, right, which is oh. Letty, who he doesn't know yeah. about, and the ladies that he's lost, right, which is. Also Letty, but like I, in Brian's case, that's Mia. Mia. So well, he's speaking to both, both of them. both ways, right? So exactly. Brian has loved and lost Mia. Dom, or Tom, has <laughs> loved and lost Letty, mm-hmm. right, at this point. Yeah. The ladies we love and the ladies we lost are one singular focal point for both characters. It's nice. It's a nice yeah. piece of writing. Mm-hmm. This movie... I don't know who the punch-up writer was on this movie, but they really... It's kind of the shining example of the series. There's some great fucking lines in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, what does a punch-up writer do? Uh, someone who comes in and kind of writes one-liners. Mm. I mean, and that's a real simplistic thing. Like, it depends on the project. Like, um, if... Uh, uh, I mean, I'm not a writer, so I might be speaking out of turn, but... If it's a sitcom, a punch-up writer will come in and just like write more jokes hmm. a lot of the time. You know, just like come in and just write some jokes to punch up the script. Or like sometimes a writer will be brought in to like punch up uh, either comic relief or like punch up, you know, just sort of somebody who's writing lines for movie entertainment factor mm-hmm. versus like, you know, narrative dialogue. Hmm. Uh, that's a completely simplistic view, and uh, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Take it with a grain of salt. The the line "What's your code? I'm working on it" is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like I've never. It's, it, it, they've created this whole ethos, and then they have this moment of like, "What is your code? What's your creed?" And he's so lost. It's like such a beautiful moment for Brian's character, right? Yeah, I I took note of that too. And I, uh, to me, in this watch through, I juxtaposed that directly with the diner scene, where in mm-hmm. some, in previous watches, like it seems like, oh, like yeah, Brian's so cool. He's like, oh yeah, like I'm so good at lying. Like I didn't mean to hurt you. Like this is what I do, type thing. But yeah. in this watch through, it it really like I was I was. I think I was absorbing it more from Mia's side and sort of the, um, she's, yeah, she's able to see really, she's able to see right through Brian. And, um, as far as not having a code, like in that moment, he, to me, at least this time, he, he didn't seem to exude confidence. In fact, he seemed to be, um, yeah, just, uh, yeah, just, uh, deflecting and sort of putting up a, 
sort of a false sense of confidence. And I think that in contrast with this, like still working in my code type thing, um, I think those two sort of moments to me kind of balanced out in this watch through. Yeah. Well, it's the moment she gets on his side, right? Mm-hmm. Like in the diner scene, she's obviously like that scene is played very like antagonistically. And he lies his way through it. He's like, yeah, I'm so good at lying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what I do, it's my job. Uh, it's what I've always been good at. Uh, but she is a person who's always been able to see right through that, right? As you said. And you're right that this moment in the safe house or wherever it is, um, he... Like, it's played... It's 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 a mirror of that diner scene. and mm-hmm. But it's also the moment where he finally tells her the truth, which is, what is your code? I'm working on it. Right? Mm-hmm. And it, when he tells her the truth, she's on his side. Mm-hmm. You know, they, she forgives him. And he becomes... She, you know, for abandoning her five years ago, she forgives him for... Uh, almost sending her brother to prisoner and making him a fugitive for justice. She uh, forgives him for being under constant surveillance, I imagine, for the past five years. Mm-hmm. She she just, she lets it all go in this beautiful Mia moment. This little Mia Mo. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I, I think another important part of that is not just, yeah, I think right before he says he doesn't know, he is trying to figure out his code, like the, mm-hmm. yeah, he sort of comes up with that answer to why does he let Dom go, and, right, it's because he admired Dom at the time, or at the moment, in the moment, he admired Dom more than he sort of like, yeah, admired himself, and I and think. why did he admire Dom? Hmm. Why did he admire, admire Dom at the end there? Because Dom has a code. Ah, uh, well, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Because Dom has a code. Dom knows his place in the world, which is something Brian has never known. Mm-hmm. And even we'll see in subsequent movies, he doesn't really know his place in the world all that well. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, in Seven, when he's... Whatever, right? Minivanning. Minivanning, and he misses the bullets. Mm-hmm. You know, D- Brian's a guy who's never really found how to, how to settle. Mm-hmm. How to stay in one place. How to be... If he worked all that time to get to 1327, get back to 1327 after six, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he's the kind of guy who's after a weekend back at home. is like, I want to go out again. You know? Mm-hmm. So. <sighs> Speaking of the weekend. Uh, do you want to do shout-outs? Yeah. Talk about yeah. maybe some products, services, people, or other things we're going to use this weekend? <laughs> sure. Um, all right, I'm going to go first. Please do. I'm going to go first. And I, I want to preface this shout-out by just saying... I. I owe an apology out there. There's an apology to be made to Flamingo Scooters. <laughs> I gotta give it back to him. I gotta get okay. So the 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 the, the saga is for those who aren't regular listeners. 
<laughs> I used these... Anyway, there was these electronic sc- rental scooters in Auckland. They were great. They were called Lime Scooters. The council decided to get rid of them all and replace them with Flamingo Scooters, which are less grown. And I was pissed off about that. And then I took a ride on a Flamingo Scooter, and I left a little um, sort of passive-aggressive review that just said, Slow. <laughs> <laughs> and they wrote me a nice long email back um, explaining how there's a regular mode and like a sport mode on the scooter. And the sport mode, if you engage it, will go faster. Sort of a secret NOS type of situation, as mm-hmm. you said last week. Well, I tried it, Daryl. <laughs> it was booming. <laughs> it was actually felt dangerous. Uh-huh. It was so fast up those hills. I was banging around Auckland. I was I was cruising, man. I'm scooting around maybe 30k an hour, which uh-huh. to me was like, boo. yeah, wow, it was good. That's yeah. excellent. So I owe. I've called flamingo scooters <laughs> some not nice things on this podcast. <laughs> Dog <Yeah>. shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, and I retract. I retract my statement. I retract my statement to a degree, Daryl, because I still think it was wrong for Auckland Council to make this decision for us. Mm-hmm. I think the free market should decide which fucking scooters I use. <laughs> well, right? yeah, yeah, that's a uh, yeah, yeah. That's a yeah. That's an honest. Um, that's an honest re-shout out or an unshout out to flamingo scooters you know you know like when speed talks yeah. and it, it spoke to you and uh the message was received yeah it really, <laughs> speed really talks <laughs> speed really really does talk it was pretty brutal it was crazy um all right so that out of the way i do want to talk a little bit about this situation I um okay, I gotta give an anti shout out to dropbox.com Oof. first of all i pay these people a gajillion dollars. Really? Right. I, I have the monthly subscription, which is like $12 a month, which is an enormous amount of money. Mm-hmm. That's $144 a year. Okay, so I'm on a, like a lot of shared folders. Like Dropbox, I'm too tied in. They got me by the cojones, you know Oof. what I mean? And I'm, all these, I'm on all these shared folders with all this work and all these different projects. And I have a project, which I can't name, but it, the file size was about half a terabyte, basically. Oof, wow. On the Dropbox. All told. So I'm selectively syncing stuff to my computer. I don't know if you all know how Dropbox works, but you know you don't have to do the whole chunk at once. You can just download the files you need. I am work on something. I finish up work. i got to run to a meeting at 10 a.m. today. I come back at 1 p.m. Dropbox has decided to remove half a terabyte folder and a year's worth of work from 30 different people from the Dropbox entirely. What? It's like, P.S., we deleted your shit. Did they send you an email about it or something? They purposely I got a little pop-up notification on my Dropbox when I got back. Holy smokes. Is there any grounds for that? Sounds like no, but... Sounds like no. 
Sounds like no. I did open another laptop to which my Dropbox is synced, and these were new folders, so I'm like sort of wondering if there was like and there, a space conflict and it just booted it somehow. Hmm. But um, it was the basically the most terrifying five minutes of my entire life. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it was awful. And what I ended up doing is like going back and re-inviting myself to the Dropbox or clicking the invite link again, mm-hmm. and it like restored everything back. Hmm. Thankfully, I mean it still has to like sync, which takes hours and whatever, but at least the files are alive. Hmm. Are you considering alternatives? No, of course not. Right. I, like I, you know, what got do you by know? The my whole life is on Dropbox. Right. Everything in my life is Dropbox. Hmm. This whole podcast is on Dropbox. Mm-hmm. It, it's like the it's like it's the greatest workflow tool in, in the past fifty years. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. I don't I don't pay for storage anywhere so i've oh, max i've basically Mr. maxed money bags. I've, I've basically yeah i basically maxed out all of my storage everywhere like oh you like have 30 different things each with I've, two gigabytes of it's, storage. yeah it's all yeah even the, even <laughs> people are nice they gave me 10 maybe 15 in some places i just yeah. everything i have is maxed out so i'm just, just constantly like getting code like let's do it yeah i just <laughs> it's just yeah i never like <laughs> I just never actively signed up for space anywhere. And now I just get emails constantly. You're just like, you're out of space. But yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't like, I don't work. Yeah, I don't work. Like, I don't need to share files for anything that like, will mm-hmm. make or, yeah, will make me money. So they just sort of all live in. Does work have a server? Yeah, we have our own, like, uh, just like Microsoft, like, stuff yeah like a one server pl- one one like drive. one dr- we use a one drive thing but even then like he, my work files are not large at all so i don't need to move anything i don't need to move any mm-hmm. weight yeah i move a lot of weight yeah i move a lot of weight all day huh. and i almost moved a year's worth of weight off the face of the planet Whew. by accident and that is just I mean, I'm checking now to make sure it's still there again because it's straight up. It scared the fucking shit out of me. Hmm. Um, speaking of washing stuff. Yeah, talk to me. <laughs> my shout out this week is sort of a half shout out because I'm going to unshout it out, sort of. But I basically, like, I kind of. I kind of like um, developed a small amount of appreciation for the fact that garments come with a very nice tag on it that tells you exactly how it's supposed to be cared for. And I was just like, uh, and I'm not the type of guy that will heed many of those warnings and Uh I just throw everything in the laundry, which is fine. I haven't had any serious consequences, but when I thought, yeah, I, I washed like a, I watched a beanie recently, which after after doing the deed, I was very satisfied with the wash results, but I thought to go and look to see like what the actual care instructions were. And mm-hmm. yeah, and at, in that moment when I was looking for this very specific um, sort of yeah piece of instruction, I had a moment of appreciation for the fact that 
they even take the time to make that tag and to tell you how that thing's supposed to be cared for. So if you're the type of person that wants to do exactly as they say, then you can do that. And I thought that was really nice. There's a whole system of symbology. Yes. In that world also, which I think is incredible. That like there's a whole a whole language of symbols developed uh, for laundry, basically, in terms of like what should be done. Mm-hmm. I don't know that. I think there are laundry people or people who are laundry fluent who really do know that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, how often do you do your own laundry? Um, weekly. Mm. Once a week, mm. maybe every other week. Mm. It's about every ten days. About as often as I, yeah, about every ten days. Right. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's about what I would expect. Right. I haven't done my own laundry since college. Wow. That's real. That's truth. Have you managed? Have you managed to get the test done? I just worn the same clothes over and over again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 nice. <laughs> no, um, I'm a, I'm a drop off pick up kind of guy. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, wash dry fold, do it up. Nice. You know? I'll basically spend my last red penny <laughs> if I was completely destitute and broke. <laughs> the last thing I would spend money on, actually, well, I guess it's the first thing. Would be laundry. Mm-hmm. Would be having somebody else do my laundry for me. Nice. And you know, that makes me privileged, sure. And it makes me uh, lazy. Yep. You betcha. Uh, I just don't want to do it, though. And um, I just couldn't give a shit mm-hmm. uh, about doing it myself or like learning how to do it or. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to sit in a laundromat for three hours. I don't do that. I live my laundromat is like two blocks away. You go back and forth. Yeah, I go back and forth. I run an errand. It's nice. I don't know, man. Well, I do. I do appreciate that you know whether something is dry clean only or not. Mm-hmm. I have, like, very few dry clean-only items, and those, to me, mm-hmm. are just don't wash these items. I hardly ever wear them, for one thing, and then whatever. They just don't get them dirty. That's how I feel about it. If I... Well, one thing is, like, a lot of dry clean... A lot of my dry clean stuff is stuff I wear, like an undershirt under a collared shirt, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't have to wash the collared shirt every time I wear it. But... I err on the side of dry clean. Hmm. Basically, if I if it's a question mark in my mind, I basically won't look at the tag. I'll just be like, eh, throw it in the dry cleaning. See, yeah, that, that's the essence of my shout out, which is like, sort of fuck it, just try throwing it in the washing machine, and it'll probably yeah. be fine. Uh, do you separate whites and col- colors? Hell no. Yeah, unnecessary. It's unnecessary. Yeah. I wash everything on hot. Um, everything is hot. Yeah, hot, hot. You're gonna yeah. shrink some shit. I think. I Never. always did hot, cold, like a I warm. Just, you know. No, my laundromat. Uh, yeah, I've been to it. Yeah, I've had to rotate through a few hot. of them. Just fuck it. Just hot. Hot feels just cleaner hot. after you do it. So just go for it. Okay. 
No consequence. All right. Cool, man. Um, um, what else do you want to talk about this movie? Mm-hmm. Um, so, as I was listening to this, as I was listening to this movie, I, I pulled out like a a distinct voice, and I was like, "Oh my god!" There's a lot of pitbull in this uh, on the soundtrack. Reggaeton, oh, nice. hip hop, global superstar pitbull, and I did a little bit of research, and yeah. And I'm pretty sure the Fast and Furious franchise is almost single-handedly responsible for making Pitbull into the superstar that he is today. Really? Yes. And uh, I, I, tra- I traced it back. I looked at the discogra- his discography and some of the Fast and Furious uh, soundtrack history. Um, and, the, and the main thing that I pulled out was that like Pitbull was just an up-and-coming artist. Um, around 2001, 2002, when he met Lil John, and Lil John sort of had him as like a unknown feature on some sort of unknown rap album with Lil John and the East Side Boys, and I listened uh-huh. to it, and it was sort of unrecognizable from the pitbull that we know today. It was very, he was very much, he was more of a hip hop artist than he was a reggaeton artist, and. Um, it wasn't until 2002, right, where he, mm-hmm. yeah, the main, the main Miami song. Um, Crazy. Yeah, that Oye song. Insane. I think that's what it is, yeah. And that's like, when I think about Too Fast and Furious, that's actually the song that I think of. And it was, yeah, so that was 2002. And then, yeah, it was a couple of years after that when he came out with his super, yeah, with his, like, the song of his career, which was off of his Miami album, Kulo. And hmm. so it went, like, met Lil John, like, first started hanging out with hip-hop artists, through Lil John, maybe, maybe not, probably not, but, like, made a song for the Too Fast, Too Furious soundtrack, which was, I would say, world-renowned. And then, yeah, came out with this big song, and then basically he, along with... Um, Pharrell Williams of the Neptunes produced what sounds what looks like the entire soundtrack for this Fast and the Furious movie. Alright, so I pulled it up. On the soundtrack that's available on Apple uh, music. Mm-hmm. For um for four or for, for five? five? Yeah, for four. Right. Um we're definitely not I'm guessing we're missing some things based on licensing. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. We have Blanco by Pitbull featuring Pharrell Williams. Mm-hmm. We have Crazy with a K mm-hmm. by Pitbull featuring Little John. Sorry, excuse me, Lil John. And we have You Slip, She Grip featuring Tago uh-huh. by Pitbull. Tago Calderon, one of the stars of Fast Five. We also have Bad Girls by Pitbull featuring Robin Thicke. I think you're right. Right? Yep. Don Omar is also on this soundtrack. So mm-hmm. they were involved. Are they Are they Vin Diesel's friends? Uh Oh, so I I don't know. Tego and Omar? 
So I th- so I think I was reading this. Uh, Tego and Omar are friends with John Singleton. Oh, I think, too I fast. Think, yeah, and actually, uh, yeah, um, I think Don Omar, yeah, Don Omar has a couple tracks on the Too Fast Too Furious soundtrack. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, well, they stayed involved with the franchise and became actors in it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Pitbull should show up in these movies, first of all. That's what I was thinking. This would be really great, I think. Maybe he will. Um, at what point in the Pitbull timeline is Timber? The only Pitbull song I know. <laughs> uh, let's see if we can find that. <laughs> September um, 2013. Okay. With Kesha. Yep. Yep. We're not going to play it because we, <laughs> we have to pay somebody. But y'all, it's a good song. It really gets the beat going. Are you a timber, are you a timber guy? I'm not a timber guy. <laughs> no? I'm going to listen to it afterwards to, to, <laughs> to, pump up the, to pump up the vibe. But You definitely, definitely should. You definitely should. Timber's kind of a good song, you know? <laughs> the hook is good. Kesha uh-huh. sings a nice hook. Um, so I want to talk about, like, just before we wrap up, they're missing a scene hmm. in this movie. There's a, there's, they go for, from the fight in the warehouse where Dom discovers that Letty, Brian was running Letty mm-hmm. to uh, getting together and trying to spoof fuck, Braga out of hiding, basically, when they still think Braga is Braga and not Campos. Right. They, yeah, he together. makes the call. He makes the call to... Uh... There's no Giselle. forgiveness scene. There's no scene in between that's like, I forgive mm. you. Like what happens is Dom walks out, and then the FBI starts scheming, and then I guess in a matter of like trying to make amends, Brian asks for Dom to be um, have his record cleared mm-hmm. if he cooperates. Um. And there's a great line by Dom that's like, still leaving milk and cookies out by Santa Claus. That's right. Yeah. Amazing. Another amazing punch-up line. Um, But there's no scene with Dom and Brian. It's like, hey, I'm really sorry. Like, that's okay. Hmm. You know? There's an I'm sorry, but it's Brian on the floor with his fist out. After the fight, being like, "I'm sorry, Dom." Yeah, I blurted out. Sorry. I, th- I mean, the only, yeah, the thing that, and I'm not sure if this uh, effectively or satisfactorily ties this together, but mm-hmm. um, is it in six when um, yeah when he has to go when Brian when they're in London, I guess, and Brian mm-hmm. has to go back to. Um, yeah, he has to go to penetrate the prison and go see Braga, and he's he yeah that's six. Uh, yeah. right in six and yeah part of his reasoning for doing that is like 
it's sort of like an act of yeah we've we've identified it in the past as like a act of uh, pen, uh, yeah, yeah amends but also like penance you know and maybe mm-hmm. it's maybe it's maybe that scene is left out here because like yes yeah saying sorry does not really sort of make up for it and it's supposed to be a later action that really balances everything out yeah but i just feel like there's i just i feel like there's a scene missing that's like i don't forgive you if if that's the case i feel like there's a scene missing that's like i don't forgive you but i know we need to like keep working together mm-hmm. through this thing but then we're done forever right right, right? you were like, nobody's friend yeah you were nobody's friend brian mm-hmm there's there's just a moment that's missing it just the movie just kind of moves on mm-hmm. from that fight without really explaining you just need a beat in there mm-hmm. is all I'm saying uh speaking of beat I'm pretty beat you beat yeah. yeah yeah that's a wrap yeah that's a wrap on this one uh we have been no one likes the tuna podcast you can find us on Twitter at nolt podcast n o l t t uh, we're occasionally on Instagram at No One Likes to Do the Podcast. Uh, we're also on, I don't know, fucking Gmail. No One Likes to Tune a Podcast at gmail.com. Patreon? Yes, sir. Shout out to our patrons again. Uh, Steph and Fredo, they just got a new episode of the Resident Evil cast, which Daryl and I have been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a Patreon exclusive. So if you want to become the third person to chuck us a buck, chuck a buck. That's what I'm calling it now. Nice. <laughs> That's my new campaign. My new campaign is chuck a buck. Throw us a buck. We'll get you in there. We're tierless, basically. I open everything up to all tiers. I know Steph and Fredo aren't going to love it, but I'm willing to take that hit. If you chuck a buck, you get the episodes. That's mm-hmm. the deal. Nice. Um, and, oh, Apple Podcasts. If, I mean, if you can drop us a review, like just take two minutes out of your day and do it. I can't tell you how helpful it is. It, it, it really is a big deal in terms of like getting people to see and listen to this podcast. I'm working hard on getting the audio as good as I can be. The Twitter, social media, you know, all the stuff. We work hard on this thing, right, Daryl? Mm-hmm. We put it in the wrench you know, time. Yeah, enough. So, uh, yeah, just shoot us a review. That'd be cool. That'd be very, very cool. Uh, anyway, what do you got on for us tonight? Mm, zilch, basically. Cool. I'm going. I'm going skiing this weekend, so I probably need to Sick. pack up my shit. Yeah. Sick. Which mountain? Uh, we're going to Killington in Vermont. Nah, Killington. Yeah. Well, a mountain yeah. we spoke about a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, enjoy. Don't Thank break you. your arm. I think my brother broke his arm on Killington Yikes. when I was ten years old. Yikes! Oh. Yikes! It's not safe. It's not safe out there. Well, skiing in general is not a safe activity. So, right. RIP RFK Jr. <laughs> right? I think so, actually. Yeah, it's ski football. He actually did. Yeah. Um, all right, my man. Take it easy. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah.